0: My name is Jerry Mitchell, your host for today, and I thank you so much for joining me as we dig through the language, the culture, and the history to find the words revealed in the truth of our Creator. He is the truth. He is His, David says that His Word is right and true, and that is what we believe here at Give God 90. We also believe that we can improve our lives by doing nothing more than living the way our Creator designed us to live, and applying His teaching to our lives in every aspect of our lives every day. We believe that doing nothing more than using the skills that he gives us to benefit others, we in turn will be benefited. And believe it or not, uh, the last uh, episode I did about the economy and how we can use the lessons that our Creator gives to us to Affect our economy positively uh, by doing little more than been choosing who we trust to exchange finances with. Uh, I, I had some interesting feedback, and people want to know how I can say that people with no money can affect the economy, and that 's very easy, especially in the United States today we have social programs such as welfare food stamps, we have Medicaid, and now the Affordable Care Act, uh, known as Obamacare, uh, for people who cannot afford the traditional types of of things. And uh, they really do affect our economy. Uh, The people that have nothing affect our economy. And unfortunately, as we look back through history, we can see that forced charity degrades a society. Let me say that again. When we force charity, we degrade a society. When we make a forcible action that we take money from the people who are earning money, when a third party, such as a government, takes money from the money earners and hands that money away it degrades society. It creates a, a group of people who become dependent, and that is a shame. And it doesn't, it's not only happening today in the United States, it's happened in the past, in other uh, areas of the world, and we can see that. Now, opposite of that, real charity. I mean people who voluntarily go out of their way to help people. People who not just give money, but they give their time. They give the skills that, that our Creator embedded in their very person. They go out and they help people. That uplifts a society. And, and I think we have an interesting balance of that in the United States today where we have people who are wealthy who give money to charitable organizations. We have people in our society who give their time to people who need their time. We have in our society today a, a huge outpouring of charity. And that's all the way around the world. And that helps offset this forced charitable giving. And I'm not, I'm not promoting forced charitable giving. I'm not completely denying it, because there are some times when a third party can be beneficial Because they typically are going to have access to more people than you are going to locally. Now, having said that, I I don't agree often with the way it's set up in our society today in the United States. Uh, I think we we need some uh, reform, I should say, when it comes to selecting who receives the charitable gifts that we are forced to give. And that's fine. That can happen. It's not a big deal. But people who have no money affect our economy because they receive benefits of forced charity. That's the short answer. Now, it's a lot more complicated than that. It's far more complicated than that. For instance, let's, let's take the example of someone who may have been injured, you know, they had gone through school, they've worked for, for a period of time, it doesn't matter how long, perhaps they're injured now, and they don't have the opportunity to continue to earn money. In other words, they can't use the gifts that their Creator gave them to benefit others the way that they had been doing it, all right? So now, for a period of time, they are, are dependent on charity. Whether that charity comes in the form of a church or a group of neighbors or a synagogue or whoever, offering them help directly, or more often today in the United States, we have insurance-type situations, we have unemployment-type situations, we have other charitable situations, we say that comes from the government, it actually comes from the taxpayers, who are forced to offer these people help. That's not all bad. Like I say, there needs to be some reforms in the way this is done, but it's a pretty good program overall. Not perfect by any stretch of the the imagination. Now, in, in the perfect society, if someone is injured and can't work for a period of time, their surrounding neighbors would step in and help, right? That's... In the perfect world, the way it would work—no argument for me there. That's how it should be. <clears throat> that's the way it would be. Unfortunately, that's not the way it is in our society today. But in the perfect world, that's the way it is. And you might be wondering, well, you must never have been in that situation if you can say these things, and quite the opposite is true. Uh, in the year two thousand, I believe it was. I was—I I suffered. A severe injury, and uh, I was actually told by a one of the doctors I saw that I would never walk again. Uh, thankfully, I had some people surrounding me who didn't accept that, uh, made sure I got to the proper doctors, and through some divine intervention, some divine guidance, uh, the doctor I went to said, uh, "Oh no, we can." Yeah, after several tests, he said, "No, oh, no, we can, we can screw things back together, and you you may not be a hundred percent, but you'll be." Close And uh, for the last uh, however long it's been, 18 or so years, uh, I am not 100%, but I am very, very close. So, yes, I have been in that situation. I have received forced charity. I have received uh, voluntary charity because my neighbors, thankfully, were able to step in and they came and they helped out. They helped my family, made sure I got to the doctors in, in the right time. They made sure that uh, my, my children and my wife were cared for. They made sure that we were had the things we needed to continue to live where we were living. And all of that, I'm saying, uh, I've seen both sides of it, and I like voluntary charity much, much more. When people give from their heart, when people give from uh, the standpoint of, They have a desire to help. It is more of a blessing than when someone is forced to help. That's what I'm saying. I've said before that my wife and I at, at one point learned how to be poor very well. We didn't have a lot, but what we did have, we made the best use of with the information we had at the time. And that goes a long, long way. Uh, we, we tried very hard to live the way our Creator designed us to live and, and do the things He designs us to do. And we see the benefits of that even though, even though sometimes things happen that we don't want to have happen. And one of the places we can look for that, I know a lot of people, and I'm gonna I'm going to upset some pastors here today, I know, when I talk about the economy in a minute. But I want you to realize that in Isaiah, chapter 45, in verse 7, uh, our Creator is speaking, and He says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord, it says in all capital letters, for you folks who know what that means. Uh, I am the Lord who does all these things. Our Creator does all of these things. He not only allows these things to happen, but He puts in place sometimes things that that we see as calamity, that we would describe as bad luck sometimes. And he says, I need you to slow down. I need you in this position. I need to take you from where you are to where I'm going to send you to where you're going to be. Let me say that again. He takes you from where we are to where he is sending us and eventually to where we are going to be. And when I was injured, I, I went where he was sending me, and I intermingled with these people, and I believed that I, that I was sent that way so that I would have that experience and meet the people that I met and be able to display my faith to some of those people and at the same time being able to relate that uh, to, to these type situations. Now, I said, I'm going to make some pastors mad. And here's where that comes in. Too many times, pastors, you don't understand. You don't understand the economy well enough to speak to your congregants about money. Money is nothing more than a tool. And, and I know that you're going to use the uh, parable of uh, Jesus Yeshua and, and the rich man who comes to him and says, "What do I need to do to inherit the kingdom?" And, and unfortunately, too many people emphasize the wrong part of that teaching, where it's, well, give all your money away. You've got to give all your money away. That's not the part of that teaching that's important, okay? It really isn't. That's not the most important part of that teaching. And later it says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, it may be easier, but it's not impossible. We need to look no further than Abraham, who was extremely wealthy, who received many blessings from God, including living more and longer on this earth than he should have. Abraham lived a little over 140-some years. Even Job, who was a wealthy man, lived longer. And, and both of these people were wealthy. Both of them were very dedicated, very faithful. And you would have a very hard time convincing me that they're not going to get the reward they deserve when the time is due. Okay? I I honestly believe that both of them will receive the reward according to their what they did while they were here being the examples that they were to us. Okay? That is, that's going to be their reward. They were very wealthy men. I believe they, did, they will inherit the kingdom. Uh, and nobody's going to be able to convince me otherwise because I don't think there's any scriptural support for that. Okay? You're going to hear me use that term often on scriptural support because I don't see any scriptural support for someone who is wealthy not being able to inherit the kingdom. It may be difficult for some but it is not impossible you have to work at it. You have to use the gifts and the skills you are given to benefit the people around you, just as Abraham did, just as Job did. And there's other examples. Look at look at King David. He started out very poor. He was a shepherd. He was he was almost forgotten, so to speak, by Jesse. You know, when Samuel came, he said, Jesse, where's your sons? And he runs his sons through there, and he's like, no, let me see him again. He runs his sons back through again. Samuel says, you're missing one. Jesse says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. David's out. Well, I, I kind of think Jesse knew how important David was, and he wanted to keep him back for himself. Samuel wouldn't let him keep him back for himself. Samuel said, no, 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 I want, I want the other one. I want the one that you think's important, Jesse. I want, I want David. I want David. David became king of Israel, very wealthy. Do you think that David cannot inherit the kingdom? Do you think that David will be excluded because he was rich? Certainly not. Certainly not. But David, although he may have abused his power, although he may have abused his power, David will inherit the kingdom because his faith and his righteousness, his dedication never wavered. Never ever did his dedication to his creator it, it was consistently strong. He he was so dedicated he may have messed up. He let's let's face it, he had a couple of instances where he just plain blew it, okay? But his overall dedication and the way that he used his wealth, the way that he used his skills to benefit others and to bring them to see the glory of our creator, I am certain, far outweighs anything that he was would have been able to be held accountable for. <clears throat> now we read in Ezekiel chapter 18 that when an evil person repents and does what is right, none of their wickedness will be mentioned Okay. Certainly David fits that bill. Certainly I fit that bill. When I, if I do do something that, that my creator views as unrighteous, and when I repent of that, it will never be mentioned. And for my Christian friends, yes. The answer you're asking is yes. The question you're probably asking is, well, what was Jesus for? And it's the same thing. Okay? Different, but the same. Kind of. I may get into that one of these days. I I may explain the difference in that one of these days very shortly. But for now, speaking about the economy and money, don't think, pastors, that money and the economy are your enemy. You really can't continue to uh, preach to your congregations week after week that they have to give you money because having money is a bad thing. You know, it, it's perfectly fine for you to beg for money and say, look, we have electric to pay, we have this to pay, we have our insurance to pay, we have the parking lot to keep up, we have this building to keep up, this needs painting, that needs doing. We give money here, we give money. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when you continually hammer home that they have to give, 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 give they may see your church is giving but they see what what they hear is you taking consistently week after week after week fortunately i know a lot of large congregations that depend solely on charity and they receive more than the congregations who pass around an offering plate every week. I know many churches today who make it really easy for you to give. They, even, they will even provide a form for you to fill out where you can give your credit card number to the church and you tell them how much you want to give every week and they will automatically deduct from your credit card every week so that you can give without even thinking about it without even thinking about it now that's not charity ladies and gentlemen that's not charity that is not giving from the heart that is saying i don't want to think about it i'm going to give this money and i don't even want to know it i don't want to think about it i don't want to hear it i don't i don't need to know <clears throat> you see what i'm saying you see the difference When it comes to charity, we need to be conscious of what we give. We need to understand what we give. We need to see it. We need to put it into action with our own hands. That's what charitable giving is. It's not filling out a form and here you deal with it. I don't want to. It's making sure that we are involved. We are an integral part of what's going on. We need to be part of the process. We need to understand where it's going, what it's doing, how it's working. That's why you see so many people with such joy on their face when they're standing with someone who doesn't have anything and they're using the skills that God gives to them to improve someone else's life. Sometimes it's doing nothing more than, than maybe spooning some, some dressing or some mashed potatoes on a plate at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Sometimes, sometimes it's someone caring enough to take a homeless person to the doctor. Sometimes it's caring enough to show the compassion for an abused person and taking them out of that situation. Sometimes it's nothing more than being a listening post for someone. Because people need to speak in order for someone to listen and care and and people desire that listening type of caring. I had the pleasure of, of being able to listen to someone not terribly long ago uh, as, as they were lamenting to me a situation in their life, and they had the situation under control. they simply needed somebody to listen, as they worked through it verbally. They needed somebody to say, you're using the information you have to the best of your ability. Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes it's more than that. So people who don't have anything, yes, they affect the economy, not always negatively not always negatively. Sometimes people with nothing affect the economy positively, because when we freely give charity, when we have volunteer charity, that drives a portion of our economy worldwide. Because not only does the the people we immediately affect benefit, but the people around see that, and they begin to do the same thing. They, they see the results, and so you get more and more and more people involved in something. The Hope Family Fellowship uh, that we're associated with does a wonderful, wonderful job in, in their area. They provide, uh, they put bags together of, of certain items that people need and, and hand them out. That is a very, very wonderful thing that they do. They provide a a small uh, clothes closet type thing where they actually take the time, they provide the space and take the time, they have clothing for people that need it. I don't know if they still do that or not. They were doing that uh, not very long ago and I think they still do that. But they provided that and, and the people that get the clothing, it doesn't cost them anything. So These types of people that do that, they are in your communities. They are doing these things on a very small scale sometimes. You know, it doesn't need to be a huge thing. But if everyone, if everyone would do these things on a small scale, think about how much more our economy would grow because now the people who are being benefited, they have maybe nice clothes maybe uh, a toothbrush and some fresh breath to go and find a a job. Maybe now they can turn around and benefit someone else because they have just a little bit and their spirit is uplifted enough that they can give something that they have to someone else. That's the way it works. Now, are there going to be people who take advantage of this? Absolutely. Are there going to be people who use this in, in a negative way? absolutely. It happens. And you accept that it happens. You accept that when you volunteer not everyone is going to receive that with the grace you intend it to. And that's unfortunately because I think a lot of people get discouraged when they actually volunteer something and, and put back into our economy in such a way that they don't see a return. And it discourages them. And that's when you get the people who just, well, I'll just give my money to somebody and let them deal with the problems. But that's not the way our Creator designed us. Our Creator designed us to interact. Our Creator designed us to, to associate with each other, good or bad sometimes. Yes, it's much easier and much, much more uplifting when we deal with, with the things that we see. And we can see people's joy in their, on their faces when they receive something with a blessing. And it's, it's very difficult sometimes to give somebody something and they look at you and say, oh, is this all? You know, I've I often said there are people in this world who are, and I hate to use this term, but they are so miserable in themselves that you could walk up to them and hand them a $100 bill and they would look at you and say is is this the best you can do is this all you're giving me is this why did you do this they don't receive it with a positive context that you're offering it they receive these things too often in a negative way what do you want from me what did i do and we, we see this often, often and all the time. And believe it or not, we need to be able to turn that around. And, and the way we turn that around is by living the way we are designed to live by our Creator. You just keep doing the good stuff. You keep putting the good stuff out there. You don't, you don't be discouraged. How many times in, in the Bible does it say, Don't be discouraged. Be of good cheer. Do this. Do that. Make sure you're living the way you're designed to live. So, yes, people with no money affect our economy. But you know what? People who earn money affect our economy. And the way we earn money, the way we we use those skills that are given to us by our Creator, the way we interact with each other can be fascinating. You know, from Moses... And the burning bush, and that very first that very first uh, job interview, as I like to call it, you know the almighty he didn't have a newspaper to put an ad in; he simply left a bush burn in front of Moses and said, "Do I have your attention?" That was his advertisement for the job interview, and we have very, very good examples and lessons throughout Scripture of exactly how to interact with each other. And maybe the next time I will get into that, because I think it's very important to understand that no matter what your job, somebody is being benefited by what you do. It doesn't matter if you are a doctor, and it doesn't matter if you are a patient. Somebody is benefiting by wh- what you are doing. You, you can be a, a delivery person. You can be a computer analyst. You, whatever the job. It doesn't matter what the job is. Somebody depends on you to continue doing your job. And I might just get into that the next time. In fact, I think that would be a good idea to continue from where we are. Because doing what we're designed to do affects our economy positively. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to improve our lives every day. So as we improve our lives doing nothing more than living the way we're designed to live by our Creator, wouldn't it be nice to know the examples that we have to glean from, the lessons that are being taught to us to do that, the way we interact, the way we view not only our economy, but our jobs. The way we view our families is all part of that. Now, don't take the, the first part I started with, the negative part about forceful uh, charity, and remember that part, because that's just part, a very small part. The big part. The big part the volunteer charity. Those people who give willingly. Those people who w- enjoy seeing oft times you don't even know they're your next door neighbor. You don't know who they are because it doesn't matter who we are when we benefit others. What matters, what matters is that the people we benefit actually get to see God at work through us. When we are benefiting and and doing the things that he has us do, he gets the glory. Our Creator receives all the glory, all the credit. We simply go through the motions and make sure that we provide the opportunity for others to see our Creator at His best. That's what it takes. De- uh, I'm sorry, Solomon, in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, he sums it up. He says, The whole duty of man is to I'm paraphrasing the whole duty of man is to live the way your creator designed you to live. With that I am going to end, and I want to say I wish you all a very, very good week, a very successful time. Till the next time we you listen, and you don't know how much I appreciate you listening. Continue to listen and have a wonderful, wonderful. Evening.